Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur Show. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. For anyone who's out there, you can find us on Instagram or on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts. So today I have with us a very special guest named John Mejia of Los Toxicos Mariscos. I think I got that right. And how are you? Toxicos Mariscos. Yes, very good. Very good. Thank you for having me on. How are you doing? Good. Out of Los Angeles, California, right? Yes, sir. Actually, in the city of San Fernando, San Fernando. Los Angeles County, but it's the city of San Fernando. Very cool. So, tell me about yourself. What's your story? How did you become a food entrepreneur, uh, bar entrepreneur? Like, how did you? What's your story history from the day you were a child? Did you grow up in an entrepreneur family? Stuff like that. Yeah, no. Uh, my dad was a blue collar worker. He was a machinist. My mom was a stay at home mom. You know, make sure we went to school, took us all to sports and all that. Um, we grew up as a, you know, mid-level you know, family throughout my life. Um, you know, graduated high school. I had a daughter at a very young age, so I had to immediately jump in to, to get a job, a real job. I did some college, but uh, my main goal was able to uh, make enough money to support my daughter. I was literally 18 years old. So once I did that, I went to high school and I said, hey, what's the highest paying job on this board? Back then, they had three by five cards. I selected a title company, a uh, title insurance company. Um, I started there, you know, data entry and uh, just ended up liking insurance a lot, moved through my insurance uh, career, worked at multiple companies, uh, understood multiple states, um, and uh, at one point I had the opportunity to start our own with the business partner, and we did. Um, that was probably about uh, six years ago, seven years ago. Uh, we did that. Uh, we were very successful. It was two of us. We started two of us working 20 hours a day. We grew it to about $50 million in premium. Uh, about 250 employees in multiple states and some in actually Baja, California. Uh, we were fortunate enough that someone came and purchased us. We sold it. And at that point in my life, I said, you know what? I'm done with insurance. I want to start and do multiple other things uh, to keep me occupied. Um, so we started multiple businesses. Um, I had an opportunity to buy a franchise. I went through the numbers. and So I was presented um, when I was looking at different types of businesses, uh, a franchise opportunity. When I looked at financials, I thought, wow, there's actually money in restaurants. I didn't know. It's not my background. Um, so that didn't work out. Um, but then I said, hey, you know, I love the Baja food. I've been going down there with a young kid. I love the way it tastes. And I also wanted to bring in the aspect of what I call the Instagram crowd, the younger generation, educate them. So a lot of restaurants here in Los Angeles, San Fernando Valley, or, you know, the typical uh, Marisco places, Puerto Nuevo style um, there's nothing wrong with that, but I wanted to elevate that. So what we've done here is, you know, we've made this a more what I call modern. People want to come in, take pictures, of presentations of the food are delicious, or you want to pull out and take a picture um, and store our drink. So that's kind of where it all started, and I was able to implement that. We were lucky enough that this specific location came up at that time. Um, we purchased the location, and then here we are now. So how did you come up with the idea? How did you come up with a menu? How did you decide on what styles of alcohol to serve or what kind? Sorry. Um, yeah. How did you go about this? How did you go about the layout? Like you're sort of in a different space and you're like, okay, I'm going to become a food entrepreneur, you know, or a beverage right. entrepreneur, or a bar entrepreneur, however you want to look at it. But all the same thing in my opinion. But it's yeah. the, uh, how did you decide to do that? So the, the menu, once I decided, hey, I actually want to get a restaurant, I knew the menu that I wanted. Since I've been being young with my parents, we used to go to Tijuana a lot. And we used to eat the seafood there, the mariscos. And we would go to a specific uh, uh, place. And as we went over time, we met the family. I met the sons. 
And we kind of became this, you know, this family. When we go down there, we knew where to go to eat that. So when I decided not to go with the franchise, I said, you know what? There's not a Baja style mariscos here in Los Angeles, specifically San Fernando Valley. So I reached out to with my friend now and said, hey, would you be interested if I went through with this? He said, I can build your menu. I've been wanting to build a menu. Where we went was more of a quick to go, take out place, tacos, real quick food. But him, the same way as growing up, said, I have all these inspirational plates I want. We can't do in here. Let me express myself through your restaurant. So he became a partner of ours. We did that. And at the same time, I had gone to some restaurants here where everyone's taking, pulling out their phone, taking pictures, drinks are coming out to fancy presentations. So I said, what if we combine both of them? Somewhere we have great food, Baja food that I love, and also the presentation where the dishes come out and you want to pull out your phone. Some of the dishes, it's a full, you know, fried fish and its entirety. You don't see that around here. People pull out their phones, wow. Our drinks come out with the smoke, with the candy, and they come out, bring out the fish. So I said, let me combine those. Um, I think I mentioned this before, and put myself, a lot of places here are very typical. You go in, you already know what you expect. There's a, you know, the seashells uh, on the wall. There's the tile on the floor, and that's fine. That's great. But I want to bring in the next generation, the people that are going to say, oh, that's where my parents used to take me. I want the same food. So we want to make it fun here. It's gonna, it's an experience when you come here. The waitress comes to your table. She pulls out a thing. She pulls the sauce out. We have sports games on. We built a bar. The drinks come out. They're smoking. They're drinks that people want to drink. It's not your typical, okay, do we sell micheladas? Yes. But we also sell, you know, uh, a cucumber spritzer. We sell a pineapple margarita. Things that you don't see. We add toys to that. We add stickers to that. We, I just want it to be an experience. When you come here, wow, it was great. Those toxicos. The food is great. The service is great. And they do this when they come to your table. They bring out the fire. They bring out the smoke. They do all these things. So that's where I want to start, and that's where we're at right now. What's your favorite food that you – what's your favorite drink? What's your favorite food that you have there at your restaurant? Yeah, so my favorite food here, you have to try Toxico Ceviche. This ceviche, I guarantee you, if you tell me someone else has this taste, I will reimburse your money. This is a special secret sauce we have. It's the greatest. Everyone that tries it is like, wow, where did you get this from? It's a ceviche with a splash of fusion. It's just, it's just this Baja food that you don't get. Typically, the ceviche you get, it's the same green, red, or black. This has a flavor. I just, I can't explain to you. You have to come try it. That's one of our, that's the one I tell everyone to try. Our tacos, obviously, are our go-to, our fish tacos, our shrimp tacos. Again, Baja style. It's not just, oh, deep fried, no. With the sauces we make, homemade sauces from Baja that we used to go get when we were young. That's what we have here. Explain what Baja style is just for my audience. Like, just because I think there's so much diversity regionally across the world, just in Mexico, different types of Mexican food that we're Correct. talking about here. So let's talk about what the differences are or what significantly makes it Baja style. Right. So just like I think I'll start with here when we say we got barbecue ribs here in California. But if you go to Texas, that's barbecue country. Right. And in Mexico, there's different states. So every state makes their marisco seafood a different way. Nayarit is a very famous style. Everybody will love the Nayarit style. Baja is a different spin. Certain things that if you typically go and get a uh, shrimp cocktail, it comes with onions. Baja doesn't use onions. They use different flavors, different spices. So we typically go into a Mexican seafood restaurant. You expect a green aguachiles to taste a certain way. And that's fine. The Baja style has its own taste, its own flavor and that's what we're educating people here even when we have uh, folks come here from wait a minute this doesn't taste the same this is wrong we're like no we, ed we we're trying to educate them no this is the way we're made this is baja this is not 
any other state style. We're not saying that's wrong, but the way this is by just a different style. It's just like different states here do foods differently. So does Mexico. And when, like, again, when I was a young kid, I loved the taste of that. And it's just different. We just don't have that here. And that's what we wanted to, we wanted to express that out here to the folks out here. And what about your favorite cocktails like that you guys make or, or what are, and what are the most popular? So we have a cucumber, what we call cucumber spritzer. That's delicious. It's great. Comes in with a wrapped cucumber. It's very light. You can drink multiple of those. It's not like, oh, I, I can taste alcohol. My goal is when we, we talk, listen, we want to get everyone to have them have fun, but I don't want to taste that alcohol. A lot of people come to margaritas. Wait, there's no alcohol in here. I don't taste the tequila. I'm like, that's the way it's supposed to be. You're not supposed to taste alcohol. The alcohol is in there. You're going to have fun. Taste and move on. I don't want, I'm trying to take this, you know, everyone expects it to taste this way. I want this to be different. Listen, I got the same experience, the same buzz, I'll say. But it didn't taste, I didn't feel that tequila biting down my throat. And that's what I want here. And, and why is that? Explain to me why you want that. What? Why are you trying to be different? Why are you trying to create uh, a difference? And why are you trying to hold so true to that Baja style of cooking or, or ethnicity of cooking? When, when, when I started business, I noticed that if you do things differently, I seem to be more successful or successful. Um, and I feel like if I go to 10 different restaurants here, they're all going to taste the same. But if I go to Los Toxicos, it's going to taste different. Why? Why is because there is no Baja style here. They don't, they don't stay true to that. A lot of people are like, oh, you should change this, do that. No, we're going to stick to our recipes. Sometimes the chef's like, oh, if I do this, I go, I want to stay true to the Baja to when I went. That's what I want. I want people to experience that. Most folks here come in and say, it's amazing. I, I can't believe I've ever tasted this. So I want to express the same thing I did as a child to everyone else here. Why there isn't Baja style here in Los Angeles, I do not know. But I think it's an untapped market. Yeah, it's interesting because it's almost an extension of California geographically. Just we put a boundary there because that's what we do as humans. Is we create artificial boundaries that become our country boundaries. So... Hey. Let's talk about the. Um, how do you market this now? You have a unique product. You have Baja style. Like, how are you marketing this and advertising it in your community? So we're definitely using. We're heavy on Instagram. We're heavy on Google Ads, Yelp ads. We're using, I believe, the same vehicles many other folks are. Um, I've had experience in that through some other businesses I have. So I think we're we're emphasized more on that. I think nowadays you take a picture of something, it can get to a thousand people in sixty seconds. Versus before, right? You do flyers, you do emails, you do text. All of us is visual. If the visual looks good, they're going to come. And then when they taste it and it's good, they're going to come again. So that's what we're just using social media, Google, Yelp, nothing that is not out there for everybody else. And are you concentrating that? I mean, other than the free parts of social media, if you're targeting an advertisement or targeting something, are you targeting locally or are you trying to get a larger fan base? So... My concept is, has always been start slow, learn to walk before you run. And I've done that for when we started, even with here, some employees. Look, this is a, a very small location, 2,200 square feet, if you call it as in the restaurant. My goal is to prove the concept here and then go larger and build multiple. I didn't want to go and buy a 5,000 square foot location. I had the opportunity. I said, no, let me start small. Maybe this doesn't work. I don't want to go out and be all be 100% all in at that. I said, okay, let me start small and have a little business, and then we'll take baby. So we'll grow from there. We'll try different things. If I can prove it here, I already know where I'm going to go next. Two, three, four locations are already selected, but I wanted to prove it here. So I just want to crawl, walk before I run. And that's just been how I've always done things. 
This is very cool, and I think it, you're on to something here, and I, I agree with you on the style of Mexican um, Baja style. It's just not something seen. I mean, there's Tex-Mex galore, I would describe, that we really have in the United States that everyone has more of a flavor for just because those chains sort of went from Texas, Dallas in particular, all over the world. Um, and if anyone wants to know the history of that, it's because all because a TGI Friday's second location from New York went to Dallas. And because of that, then Chili's went to Dallas and so on and so forth. And they were singles bars. Thank God it's Friday. You get to go hang out with the singles, which turned into families going there once they got old enough to meet couple, to become couples from the single bar and go in there. So that type of food, the Tex-Mex style of Mexican food that we're all used to, at least in the United States and mostly the world now, because it's almost Americanized Mexican food, um, Tex-Mex, um, was because of the Chili's, the TGI Friday's, and the um, other types of restaurants that grew out of that area. I'm thinking of one more, but I can't think of the name. And um, like a Ruby Tuesdays, and um, yep. I can't think of the other one. But either way, the my point being is that that's why we're used to it. So having this alternative style, um, it's almost cleaner, I would say. It's less heavy. It's more refreshing. Um it's whole ingredients um, would be my description of it. So what is it that you love about what you do right now? Like what are the things that you love the most? So to be honest, this is my first restaurant. We did not own restaurants before. My family, we have different businesses, not this. What I love about this and what I love about starting new businesses is the challenge or what you don't know what's going to happen today. I bought a location and I said, it. let's go with it. We're all in. Let me try this from that. Again, my background is not restaurant. I'm not. I found the right team. I earned the right team, and I believe in them. And I, they say, let's do this. I listen to let's try it. If it doesn't work, we're going to switch and go back. We're going to try something else. I'm heavily listening to podcasts. I'm watching different you know, videos. I'm trying to learn what are they doing that makes them successful, and that's what drives me. I want to start something I don't know how to do, and if I figure it out, that's what makes me happy. That's like, wow, I figured it out. I can go back to insurance and I can lose my eyes closed. To me, that's boring. I don't want to do that anymore. I want to do something I've never done before. Restaurant, food. People are like, you're insane. What are you doing? The other thing that's happened, Los Angeles, California, it has not stopped raining since January 1st. And I'm trying to make it. And I'm telling people, listen, no one's coming in. I made this much. They're like, you made how much? That's insane. Between November and March, no one eats seafood because it's so cold. That's what my Mexican partners say. Here, it's been raining. And I think it's been difficult. So what do we do? We try to shift. What do we do on Instagram? What do we do Google ads? You know, do we want do we do we want to do happy hours? Uh, let's try it. If it doesn't work, I pull it back. So to me, what drives me is not knowing what's next, but I think I can figure it out with my team, and that's what gets me up in the morning and wants me to keep continue to go on. How do I how can I solve this problem without having the experience of how I've done it before? Because I don't have the experience in the restaurant um, industry. Yeah, and it's interesting. I'm gonna give everyone an example because you touched upon something like this is a very important fact. And the reason everyone knows Budweiser Beer, Anheuser-Busch, the beer company, is not because he created a, the greatest beer. It's because he was the first person to create refrigerated rail cars to transport his beer and not compete in St. Louis, but compete in the expanding territories of the U.S. in the 18, late 1800s, which meant his beer would be tried by everyone. And then he figured out that his beer was being cut by water and by other people's beer to make it cheaper. So he was the first person to ever create a pasteurized drink 
from pasteurization that came out of France. He was the, one of the first Americans to ever take it on, which is funny because now it's safe in food and we think about it in food and dairy all day long, but it was actually beer that at first existed in Anheuser-Busch to create bottles so people would stop cutting his product. And they were the first bottled beer ever that went across the country. And so like, it wasn't only the product, it was all the entrepreneurial innovation uh, ingenuity that went along with it that created the product that we know today or why we know it. It's not only the product itself, it's what I would call the network effect. Can we create a network around it that has a compounding effect both in the logistics of the product, also in the knowledge about the product we're talking about or the business? And you're starting to do that, obviously, with what you're doing and educating people on what Baja is because I think that's an important part, like the educational piece of introducing new foods and style of cooking and restaurant to people is about the education. So I think that that's pretty yeah. cool that you're so heavily invested in it. Go ahead. And I didn't know that's awesome. Sorry, I didn't know that about it. That's awesome. And literally, you're right. That's what I, I want to do. And I think you hit on the education. If you educate someone, like I was educated at one point, you're like, wow, I didn't know that. This is great. So education is is key. And just saying, Let, let's just try it. So that's, I didn't know about it. That's, that's amazing. That's great. That's great to know. I'm glad I learned that today. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's why, um, that's why it's one of the important things is it's not over once we've created good food. And I want to emphasize that to everyone, like just in the audience and being entrepreneurs, like your good food is just Willy Wonka's met. You got the golden ticket, which is really, you won something, but you won a ticket to fricking have to work hard and be an entrepreneurial fucking super genius for the rest of your life because it's hard being in food or an entrepreneur period. So let me ask this question, then I'll get back into the restaurant. What from your other entrepreneurial ventures, um, such as core values as an example, or leadership skills, have you felt that you've been able to carry over from business to business to business? Because I want to emphasize this also that leadership skills and entrepreneurial skills can be transcend industries. It's just your experience in that industry doesn't transcend with you but your leadership skills and core values do. So you want to talk about that a little bit? Cause I think you're a perfect example. 100% I agree with you. And listen, when I first started in like I said, my back with insurance and so I thought I knew it all. And I thought I knew it because I've been in it and I started a company. I didn't know it all. I learned more interviewing people from other companies positions of what they were doing. And I was like, wait a minute, they do it this way. I've always done it X. And they're like, no, they're doing it. Why? And I would listen to these just as an interview. And I'm like, wait, and we would try it. And I would play with that. And then we would start our own formula. So the thing I think the successful thing is not just to think you know it all, is to listen to people and allow that to soak in and just say, okay, you know, you're right. Let's try it. And don't be afraid to try it. My thing, again, don't run, try it. So someone would come in and say, oh, we would do it. Why? And I'm like, why? That's, that's, I've never thought of it. So I'd start slowly there and then it either worked or it didn't. So now coming here the same way, I hired a chef. I hired a manager like John. I know you want to do it like this, but what about this? And I'll go back and say, I'm like, no, you're right. And I also want to give them the opportunity to have them feel like they're heard. And we implement if it works. I think they feel proud and I'm proud. And my thing has always been growing up in business. Like, look, I was given an opportunity. I started as a mail clerk. I made it up to a C level, but someone always looked at me and gave me an opportunity. And I want to do the same thing here. And my goal is even for my other businesses, look, when people say, look, John, I'm going to quit. I'm going to leave. Are you mad? Absolutely not. I'm so proud that I got you at this level. You're this high. 
and I want you to continue to grow. And I talk to those folks 10 years later, oh, I'm doing this. And to me, that makes me, and that's what makes me proud is that I was able to at least find this person, train him, and now they're so successful. And that's just my, you know, my, my personal, that's how I feel with individuals. Well, and this is an important thing that I also want to anchor with everyone in the audience because I want this to be just as much educational as it is a storytelling or, or a journey. And that's this. The anchoring part is this. Building slow and scaling fast. One is is you're, right now you talked about walking before you run and ironing everything out, listening to people, meaning with your mouth shut, you're the sweeper, not the striker. If you're a soccer player, you know what 100%. I'm talking about. Yes, sir. And if it's and in that light, you have to understand that your business is going to be built slowly at the beginning and you want it to hurt a little bit at the beginning. Like you want to enjoy the pain of it because it's growing your business in a way that can make it scalable. And if you can't stomach criticism and if you can't stomach hardship, you need to learn how to to be an entrepreneur. It, it I can't tell you I was bad at it at first. I was bad at it for like a decade and a half at least you know before i was like okay i finally am detaching myself from the criticism of the business and the criticism of myself but either way you need those things and you need to learn them at each stepping stone i thought about the growth of my company over 24 years and each stepping stone of growth came from a criticism or a hard place or feeling like i had failed and so I think that that's important and that's what we're talking about here. But once you get through that initial part, like the first year to three years, your business becomes scalable in many ways or franchisable or growable, depending on what kind of food you're in, whether you're a restaurant, a bar, a consumer packaged good, a beverage, a bottled beverage, whatever it is, a, a brewery, um, whatever else is going on in the world, nutrition space. So I think that that's important. So let's talk about... Um, what are the dreams for scalability of this business? Do you, do you want it to go further? And if so, you know, how, how do you envision that happening? Yeah. So absolutely. When, when, again, when we start something, yeah, I I say we, me, my family, we always, our goal is always to be that hundred million dollar juggernaut. The reason I said, because when I started my insurance company, my partner, we did it just because we thought we could do it. And then we came in and someone gave us a great offer. We couldn't refuse. So now I had a taste of that. So what I want to do, like I said, I want to start with this first location. I already have a place for a second location. This one hits. We're going to make it bigger, maybe dance floor or something like that. And my vision, so I'd say five, ten years out, is to have multiple locations. I want to get out of the state, go to Arizona, teach, go to Oregon and teach them about and continue to grow that. But again, do it slow. Make sure you can you can prove your concept. And then you can go. Some people say, you want to franchise it? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I I haven't got to the point. But I do want to take this experience. It's already working for us. We're, you know, two months in. I see it. And again, here in California, the weather's been horrible raining. And we're not doing bad. I talked to some of these other folks in in Baja. They're like, we cry from November to March. We get zero sales. And you're already at this level. So, yeah, my goal is to continue. Prove it here. Go to number two. Prove two. Go to three. As long as each one proves itself, we'll continue to go. I'm not going to say, hey, let's go open five in a row. No, 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 no. I, I personally would not do that. Once one proves itself, pays for the next one, and you just slowly go there. And in 10 years, we blink. We have 20, 25, 34 locations. That's great. But start slow. Prove your concept. Make sure everything's working. Well, we talked about this a little bit, and I'm going to rephrase it this way. I mean, your dream's big enough to fit all the dreams of your family in it, 
all the dreams of your the people that work with you, your team members, all their families in it, and their legacies of their family, because you're talking $100 million dreams. So that's what we're talking about here. And other people might think you're crazy, but I get it, because your dream has to be big enough to also fit all their dreams in it, right? Because that's the way it is. So let's talk about the human growth thing that you just discussed, like how happy you are when they grow, outgrow you. Cause I think that that's important. And we, you talked about it. It's important to me. I, I like that. It's important to you. Your business can't grow unless you're having people outgrow your business and you want them to leave you. You do not want to beg them yes. to stay. Yes. You want them to yes. outgrow you and go grow in the world and have other individuals that come in and grow because just because a human grows you to where you are, doesn't mean they're going to grow you to where they go and if you beg them to stay and they don't want to stay and they feel like their opportunity might be better elsewhere they're not going to help your business anymore like they did before so let's talk about human growth how do you do it what's your focus sort of what are the core values around that in the team members of your businesses so yeah that's a great question i think a lot of things you say i agree with so obviously number one is the individual do you see the individual and say look sometimes like the individual i'm like man they have it they have they're being you know they're being um, undercut. I want to give an opportunity. One right here is a chef. He's worked at many other places. I met him. I said, did you have you? He's like, you can't afford me. Didn't matter. He gave me a number. I brought him in and I told him, I go stick with me. He wants to open a specific type of restaurant. Stick with me for two, three years. You will have that. We will be partners. I want to give him when we start that thing. I want him to think down the line, look, if I work hard for this guy, he's going to give me an opportunity. And I will 100% give him an opportunity. I've done that in other businesses. I have people that have started I had a guy who was a great CSR, and I'm jumping to a customer service rep, but I knew his, his background was really technology. I just saw how he, you know, how he would think. We moved him over to the IT department. He started as a customer service. He ended up being our manager three years later. I just, you find everybody, I think, has a niche. You just have to find what that is. You don't, uh, the way I said, I didn't want, I sat one day and I said, I don't want to be at this desk eight to five. I know I'm better than that. And I started watching Shark Tank and that show, and I'm like, if they can do it, I can do it. And that's kind of how my mind started thinking, how can I be an entrepreneur? That, and that was just in me. But I think some people, they have it, but they don't know it. And if I can expose that, I've seen them turn around. I see their happiness. I've seen how their families are. And they're like, oh, Mejia, thank you for doing this. I'm like, don't thank me. You did it all. I just kind of put you in the right path. You put your door to the door and you took it. And if I helped you, I helped you. If not, that's great. And I, like I said, I think everybody has their passion. We just have to find it for them and have, you know, hire the right individuals, obviously. There's folks that don't want to work or folks that just want a job and that's fine but there's certain folks you know through my career in life that i've seen and i've tried to help them and they've been helped and i'm going to continue to do that what's your um what's your ideal like for for your training like how do you how many days does it take like how many like what's your ideal um level of satisfaction like how do you train them how do you know if they're good to go as an employee like I guess I just asked because I think your mindset is in the right, right space and we don't generally talk about time and how a training program actually works. So I think you're building one right now, obviously. So how are you going about it? Like what's the number of days you think is, is enough? And then how do you keep people in this today's day and age and what's going on in food with everyone like almost vi- like vanishing from food during COVID? Yeah. How do you keep people employed and interested in your business? Does so, that, yeah, does that make sense? Question. Yes, no, 100%. So what we do is every position we have, we have certain le- what we call levels, one through four. So if you start, I've never worked at a restaurant. That's fine. You start as, a, let's say, a hostess or you start as a, someone in the kitchen helping them. 
And the inside of the kitchen, the front of the house, there's certain things that have to have. So they needed to do four things. They need to know the menu. If, I, if we test something, you go to level two, then to level three, then to level four. And that's how, we, that's how we do it here internally. And based on those levels, then you're allowed to then go from a hostess to a waitress. Holy shit, we had the from- same mindset at almost exactly. But go on. I yeah. love this. This is like 100% then, where I am also and have been. Go ahead. That, that, so, yeah. So just, just, I'll go back. When we started, I hired four, I'll call them young kids, right? Under 20 years old. That's hostesses. Boom, boom, boom. We want to be able to learn the menu, show them the menu. I put them out. Obviously, there's a lot of tips can be made here. They're so happy. But again, they have to start there. And if you prove it to me, we'll get you there. And they're like, now we have hostesses now that we're fully staffed. I want to get there. I was like, hey, keep working. You're going to get there. Sit in their kitchen. I'm over here peeling shrimp, cutting this. I'm going to move. Okay, learn this. Ship. What do they need to know for them to go over and start doing uh, cocktails, you know, shrimp cocktails? Then do this. Once you got, then you're certified level one. You're next in line to get there, or sometimes we get busy, or that person called out. Now they went from level one, level two. The guy, the individual that was going there peeling shrimp and cleaning them up is now making shrimp cocktails. They now have an opportunity to be, you know, the level two uh, a cook. And that's how we do it here. We want, I want the opportunity that when I was in the middle room, someone said, hey, John always comes in first and he's last. And they gave me the opportunity. I was 18 years old. My daughter's being born. I got a GED. I told people I didn't get a high school. But I had GED. I got a GED later in my life, but I knew how to work because I know my parents told me that I had to work to support this kid, and I had to go. I wasn't like, hey, it's eight to five. I want to leave at five. I want to go home. No, I was never like that. So I tried to implement that here and let people see. Look, there is a vision. I know a lot of people come. Look, a restaurant's a dead end job. Not if you come here because you can start here. You can end up there. And what if I open? I tell them, listen, my goal. Some of these people is that in three or four years. We're all laughing and saying, remember when we did this and now you're running one of my restaurants? You have your own restaurant and we sit back at the beach and we have some beers and laugh about it. But we have to start where we start at the bottom and grow up. And there's certain individuals that want it and certain don't, but we give the opportunity to everybody here. Or I, at least I want to give that opportunity to everybody here. I think it's important and I, I wish in more of my companies we would have implemented this, but I learned it later on in life or I figured it out later on in life. The forced stack system and the small goals and the small increases versus the large promotions, but it does matter, um, especially in the entrepreneur space because if you give people too much too fast, what appears to be too fast versus incrementally, they also start to get entitled and they also start to feel privileged. And so- 100%. It's yes. one of the things that, unfortunately, humans do. I said people. I mean humans, uh, all yeah. humans. And um, we get comfortable, just like any other mammal. We seek comfort or animal, however you want to look at it. And that there becomes comfort in it versus um, almost an achievement. It's not a trophy anymore. It's almost like an entitlement and an expectation versus earning little bits. And earning the little bits get people in the habit of constantly striving for the day-to-day little things that we have to gain day-to-day in order to become better. And I think that that's what we're talking about here. Um, Who have been your motivations, your inspirations, your motivators, your, why do you keep going every day? So, yeah, that's great. And and I've thought about this many of nights. Look, when I, I think what, it, what started me, I'm, I'm going to be, I don't know if it's cheesy or the right word is, is watching Shark Tank. I would watch these guys and these people. But Mark Cuban, I started reading into him. And Mark Cuban, I feel like he was just like one of the guys. He ended up determining how to stream sports over, you know, the internet. He sold that company. He made a lot of money. And then he created all these other companies. I wanted to be Mark Cuban. I'm like, if I can get there, I can do, you know, not to that level, that great to level. So Mark Cuban was definitely inspired me. 
The other person too was Rick Caruso. So we just try to run, you know, for mayor here. I've known for a while just because we did, I did some construction stuff also. And, you know, he was just, you know, Italian family. And I feel like, you know, my back was the family and they grew and he was able to get there just hard grind. And I think he has certain, you know, aspects and things that I, I follow. So to me, those two individuals are the ones that kind of, I would look up to. And I still look up to this day. Um, and then two different aspects, you know, just one trying something that no one had tried and it worked out. And then once he made it, he just said, I'm going to try these different things. And that's why I said, I know I can do insurance. I made insurance. I don't want to be insurance. I want to try new stuff because that's how I just want to feed my mind. And I want to have a situation where I don't know how to solve it and I have to solve it. That's what drives me versus being, oh, another, you know, cancellation. I said, I don't want to do that anymore. So to answer your question, long way question, those two individuals. Very cool. So I want to um, I'm going to say something here. Uh, one of the things I love that you said was be different to be successful. I think that that's one of the major things that I want to anchor here for everyone is that that is important uh, for everyone and that that is something to focus on. The other thing is that I, w I really want to emphasize and we already talked about it, but is that growth of the humans around you. If you want to grow, you yep. have to grow them and then they lift you up because they force you to grow as well as the leader, especially if you're in that sweeper position that I'm talking about because you're leading from the back. But you're also aware of everything that goes on in the plays and you're adjusting things and, and you're running different plays and you're growing along with the team because you get to see the whole field strategically. So I think that that's important. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think of the next questions I had. Um, let's talk about delivery services. Do you use delivery services if you do? I mean, is it, I mean, how do you figure out a menu that both works for delivery and for an in-store experience if you do do delivery? So yes, we do delivery with the, the, the same guys we all know, right? The three, the three big guys. My focus wasn't that. My focus was how do we get the best food? And then we said, okay, now the delivery, can we package that so they have the same experience at home? So we didn't start with, oh, we have to do it. And again, when I started, I said, look, we're not going to do any food delivery service until the kitchen is established. I don't want to pressure them. We figured it out a month later, we opened that, and now it comes. Now it's more, how can I package the same experience in a styrofoam cup and get it so when they get home, they have the same experience as here. And, and why, and, Okay, that's pretty cool. I like that. And do you and during COVID, I mean, were you open during COVID or is this a newer experience? No, we didn't. We're literally, we started, we went live here at the end of the, December 28th is when we opened this, this location. So, no, we've only been around for about, what, two and a half months. I love this. Um, so let's talk about the the building of your brand like how'd you come up with the name like how'd you come up with the logo um how'd you and and why'd you choose it so one of the things again when we said okay we're gonna start it we closed the deal you know deal was closed okay we went to escrow the name right and to me the name is the hardest thing in any new business because if you my my first thing goes okay what's my website name and if you don't know every domain has been taken I have companies that are just letters because I couldn't figure it out. So I kept thinking, but I need something I said that will attract people. I'm a very heavy Hispanic community. This is San Fernando. So it's now in San Fernando Valley. So right now, the word toxico means toxic. People are like, oh, why'd you name that? But toxico, the way we use it is like, oh, you're toxic. It's like a, we're laughing. Oh, look, look, look at this guy. He's toxic because he yells and stuff like that. So that's a word over the last year, year and a half. Hispanics have been using a lot. So I said, let's ride with that. 
I, I went to the California SOS. There's only one other place that has the word Toxico in it. But you got to think about it. You're saying toxic food. Is that going to go? But I'm like, listen, my, especially my daughters are quiet. We're going to like, dad, what are you going to do? That's not going to work. What's going to happen in five years when that word doesn't, you know, Toxico's, you know, it eventually expires. I said, if we're famous back then, it doesn't matter. No one's going to be like, why are they toxic? We just ride with it. So that's literally where Toxico came from. I wanted something that people, that's hip. I don't know if that's the right word to use. That people are saying, and I just want to run with it. And that's literally how most Toxicos came about. And I like this because if you, if anyone eats Sour Patch Kids, which I'm sure everyone does, or has yeah. ever had Garbage Pail Kids trading yeah. cards, it actually came out of the popularity of dolls called Cabbage Patch Kids that all the kids had and everyone had. And I don't know, there was some weird backlash against them, but whatever happened there that's the reason those things happen so i like the name toxico and i can relate to that 100 percent in what you're saying the the last question i have um at least for right this second is if you could create another business or you could grow into a different field because of your entrepreneur skill do you have an idea what that would be is there is there an area of interest or even within this food space that you're sort of like I think it would be worth growing. Yeah. So my next, uh, what I've been looking at, because again, it's what's who I meet, people I talk, and this is completely left field, is the asphalt business. <laughs> I don't know if that has anything to do with this, but yeah, there's, I think there's a huge opportunity here in Los Angeles. I've, I talked to an individual. Um, there's an opportunity there. That's what we're looking at. I think that that's my, would be my next business venture I had to, is the asphalt uh, uh, business here in Los Angeles. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show and I really appreciate like all of your time and the things that you're doing and obviously building a business and, and taking the time to share it with us. So this is really my last question. If you could share anything with any entrepreneurs out there or anyone who does not sure they're an entrepreneur or want to be an entrepreneur or um, promote your business in any way, also give us the address and where we can find you online before we're, we get out of yeah. here. But Absolutely. anything like that, what would it be? I think if there's something that you love um, and you can make money out of it, start it, try it. Again, like I think we've talked about this four or five times, walk before you can run. Start very, You don't need $10,000, $100,000. You can start a business now on the internet with a couple hundred bucks. And I've had friends that started business selling shoes and now they're making great money and they, they, they left their job. Or, or individuals that I've met through the restaurant business, we call the you know the food bloggers. These guys, that I would love to be a food blogger, just make money, eat food, and walk around. So find your passion, you know, research it, and and go for it and try it. You don't, you know, start on the weekend, start on Friday night when you're off from work. Try Saturday and Sunday, and just start slow. A lot of people want it to be, you know, a million dollars overnight. That's not true. We've struggled, we haven't slept, we've cried, we've sweated, we've worked 24 hours straight. That's something you have to do, but you have to know that inside of you, you must put the time in. Nothing comes easy, trust me. But once you find that formula and it works for you, it no longer becomes a job. I don't get up and say, oh, I got to go to work. I get up saying, oh, what am I going to do today? What am I going to do? What's going to happen? That's what we want, and that would be what I would tell other folks. Hey, I like to, you know, we, we have an example. We have a hostess here that she likes to make flower range. She started very small, sold in one or two, sold us a couple. Now she's making a couple of money, but I said, just go slowly, try it. The next thing you do, you'll blink. It's three years later. Oh, my God, what happened? But if you sit here and say, oh, I haven't made no money in three months, it's not going to work for you. Continue to grind. Continue to grind. If you are if you figure it out and you stay true to it, it should work out. It's worked out for us, and I try to tell that to everybody else. 
especially young, especially my kids. I'm like, listen, great you went to school, but find something you love. Don't go to school and say, I'm going to go accounting. And you hate accounting because your parents want it. Find something you like. Figure it out. Do it. And again, start slow. And it'll come. It'll come. Well, I'm definitely going to have you back on, John, on the podcast. If you don't mind, maybe in a few months I'll reach Absolutely. back out and, and sure. we can do a part Please two do. and hear how you're growing. Um, and I'm also going to introduce you to some people that are in the Los Angeles area who are also in the food space. I think it'd be pretty cool if you guys networked out there. All the guy, all of you have been on the podcast. And lastly, um, I just want to thank you again for your time. I want to thank you for sharing your story. Um, anyone who's out there, thank you guys for listening in. I love you guys. Um, Jeez. And, you know, Go Justin, ahead. thank you very much. It's a great opportunity. This is my, honestly, my first interview, you know, here for those folks. He goes, I've done some of the business, but, you know, I was, you know, I was nervous coming in. You made me feel real comfortable. Um, I think yeah, if we can help anyone out there, definitely anyone in the San Fernando Valley wants to come in, try our food, Los Poxicos Mariscos, uh, here in San Fernando. Everyone wants to talk, wants to, you know, talk about business. I'm here to help. I've met some people. I love talking to people. I love helping people. I think what you and I are doing is helping these people understand how valuable they are and just, just you know, make everyone an entrepreneur and make this world a better place. Absolutely. Everyone, thank you uh, for listening in. Share John's story and Los Toxicos Mariscos. Gosh, I got to work on my Spanish. Los yes, Toxicos <laughs> Mariscos. Los Toxicos Mariscos. Roll that R. Yeah, roll, roll that R. And then... Um, <laughs> And, uh, you know, that's find them on Instagram. Listen, go try the food. Part of also doing this podcast, not only entrepreneurs, but to expose everyone to all the different types of food there are around the world and different unique things. We need to expand our palates, expand our exposure, which gets our curiosity going, which makes us travel more, which gets us exposure to the world gains us experience in the world, educates us about the world. Uh, like I always talk about three of the main E's I talk about in the 18 things that E's of leadership. Those are the main three, but doing, tasting different types of food, educating yourself on the food, experiencing it, and then going exposing yourself to those cultures and trying the food. Like go to Baja, Mexico, try the food now once you've tried it, if you like it. And that's what your family needs. We need worldly exposure for the leaders of our future, for our kids and our legacy. So thank you so much, John, for coming on the podcast again. I, I really do appreciate it. And, and just to touch one more, but what you said, yeah. you're 100% correct. I had friends that come to my restaurant that they don't like seafood. Oh, we don't eat seafood. We don't eat mariscos. I'm like, listen, try this. Try the Tokyo ceviche. And every single one is like, wow. So now my goes, every time you come, try something different. Go slow. You're right. A lot of people don't. And I'm like, yeah. If you don't like it, not a problem. But I appreciate you saying that. Yes, open your mind. Try something different. And if you don't like it, great. But you at least have to try it to know. Just like the kids, right? Oh, it's just nasty. I don't like that. Try it. If you don't like it, I'll never ask you again. Oh, Dad, it was great. Guess what? Boom. All you have to do is try it. So, yeah, open your mind. Get out there. And it's just going to make your life better. And you're going to want to experience more things. So I definitely agree with you there. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, if you want to find us guys, you can find us on Instagram at Justin, the food entrepreneurs. You can find, uh, me personally at Justin Bizarro, B I double Z A double R O on Instagram as well. And you can find us on Spotify or wherever else you go yourself through podcasts and we're out.